Is marijuana kosher? Should it be legalized? Is it any worse than alcohol? Can it be used for kiddush? Welcome to the Transformative Daf. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page 38 of Tractate Nazir, and we learn that any substance that takes your focus away from your divine mission, you should stay far away from. Welcome to the Transformative Daf, and thank you for being my Havrissa today. I like to begin with a story. The rabbi of Yanov was once on a journey to a distant town to celebrate the wedding of his son. Along the way, the hour was getting late, and he alighted from his carriage to Davin Mincha. Not wanting to be disturbed, he wandered a few steps into the woods. But he became so engrossed in his prayers that when he concluded, he was confused about the direction back towards the highway. Instead of returning to his carriage, he wandered deeper and deeper into the woods. Before he knew it, the sun set, and he had no choice but to find some rocks to take shelter under for the night. In the morning, he awoke and started looking once again for the way back. But the more he looked, the more lost and confused he felt. For the next three weeks, the rabbi survived on berries and mushrooms until he finally discovered an opening in the trees and spotted a road in the distance. You can imagine the joy of his family when he finally returned home. Sadly, he had missed the wedding, but at least he was safe and sound. The day of his arrival was a Wednesday. The next morning, he rose early and went to the mikveh in preparation for Shabbos. He then proceeded to set the table with a beautiful white cloth and asked for his kiddush cup. Bewildered that his family wasn't getting ready for Shabbos, they explained that his calculations in the forest had become confused. Friday was only the following day. But ever since his youth, the rabbi had always been an exceptionally stubborn person. No matter how they tried to persuade him, nothing could make him budge from his irrational fixation. He alone was correct in his calculations. They became secretly worried about his sanity, but what could be done? On Friday, he desisted from travel and didn't put on tefillin at morning prayers, as if the holy day had already arrived. But the next day was even crazier, as the rabbi treated Shabbos like a weekday, doing all sorts of forbidden labors. In the weeks that followed, rabbis and sages from all around tried to convince him all to no avail. He knew which day was Shabbos, and each week he would get angrier with his stubborn family and townsfolk who refused to heed his instruction. The famous Hasidic Rebbe, Rabbi Schmelke of Nicholsburg, heard about the tragic situation. As providence would have it, he was an old friend of the Rabbi of Yanov since their youth. He immediately set out for Yanov, arriving on Thursday. Overjoyed at seeing his boyhood friend, the rabbi of Yanov asked his guest, Would you do me the honor of staying with me for Shabbos? Why, of course, said Reb Shmelka. I was hoping for such an invitation. Then you do realize that tonight is Shabbos, said the rabbi in wonder and delight. What's the question, replied Reb Shmelka. Thank, thank God, sighed the rabbi. You don't know what a difficult time I've been having with the stubborn people here. Perhaps I can help, Reb Shmelka smiled. Trust me. On Thursday afternoon, the two men set off to immerse themselves in the mikveh. The local folk were shocked. Surely the rabbi had not won over Reb Shmelka. But lo and behold, the guest rabbi called everyone into the shul and insisted they return wearing their Shabbos garb. Bemused, they followed the rabbi's instructions and together they prayed the Shabbos evening prayers. Reb Shmelka then accompanied the rabbi of Yanov to his home for the Shabbos meal. During the meal, Rabbi Shmelka remarked to his host that it would be only right to turn this occasion into a Thanksgiving meal for his miraculous survival by serving a few extra bottles of wine. 
He then saw to it that his host drank a considerable quantity of the kind of old wine that throws a person into an extended deep sleep. Sure enough, the rabbi put his head down and he was out. Reb Shmelka asked that the curtains be drawn and he then lit his pipe. He turned to the townsfolk who were at the table and said, You can now all go home. Tomorrow night on the real Shabbos Eve at the same hour, I would ask you all to come back here. Sure enough, the next night everyone returned and assumed the same positions around the Shabbos table. Reb Shmelka then woke up his host. Rabbi of Yanov, he said, please join us for benching. After Shabbos, all the local dignitaries came to offer Shmelka their whispered thanks, to which he responded by making them give their solemn promise never to make the slightest mention of the whole episode. And until the day of his death, the rabbi never discovered what had happened. On the contrary, he was proud of the fact that so many people had finally seen the light and were now observing Shabbos according to the way he had argued all along. One must give credit where credit is due, he would add. It took none less than my esteemed friend from way back to do the trick. Funny, isn't it? Some people can be so obstinate. Today's staff discusses the halachic amount called revius, used to determine certain liquid measurements. Halachic authorities offer an estimate of this amount to be somewhere between 86 and 150 mils. We apply these measurements to a variety of mitzvahs, including on a weekly basis to determine the size of our kiddush cups. Let's look at the Gemara. Rabbi Laza says there are 10 applications of the law of Revis, and Rav Kahana employed a mnemonic for them. Five are red and five are white. The five red are Anazir, who does the Pesach offering, who instructed in the temple, and they died. Anazir refers to the Revis of wine for which a Nazir is liable for drinking. Who does the Pesach offering refers to that which Rabbi Yehuda said, quoting Shmuel. The four cups must each contain a revius. Who instructed refers to the law that one who imbibed a revius of wine cannot offer instruction. In the temple references the law that one who drank a revius of wine and entered the temple is deserving of death. And they died as it is taught. From where is it derived that a total amount of a revius of blood that emerges from two separate corpses engenders impurity in a tent. As it is stated, he shall not approach any dead bodies. Let's analyze the Gemara. In our tradition, wine is used on so many holy occasions. From benching to Kiddush to Avdallah to Abris, Pidina Ben, Chuppah, Sheva Brachas, and so many other sacred moments. Far from being forbidden, in Judaism, wine is sanctified. But of course, the amount of wine we are required to drink on each of these occasions is moderate. For if you drink too much, says the Gemara, you may not offer instruction. Of course, we're all familiar with the problems of excessive alcohol consumption. The big question nowadays is cannabis. In recent years, many jurisdictions have legalized or decriminalized it. Proponents claim that it's less addictive than alcohol and therefore safer. What does Judaism say about marijuana use? When the OU announced that it would give its hechsher to certain cannabis-based products, media pundits were surprised. But the rabbis made their position clear. For medicinal purposes, not only may marijuana be used, but it must be used. Undoubtedly, there are risks involved. But like other pain medications such as morphine, we assume those risks to alleviate the suffering of the patient. Recreational use, however, is a whole different story. When Reb Moshe Feinstein heard of yeshiva boys who were experimenting with marijuana, he did not mince his words. Apart from the health risks, the bigger issue was the 
loss of focus. Under the influence, how could one concentrate on Torah, prayer, and mitzvah performance? That alone should prohibit its use, ruled Rav Moshe. You were sent to this world on a divine mission. Your job is to offer instruction, to spread as much Torah light as possible, utilizing every possible opportunity to infuse the world with spiritual energy. When you're in an impaired frame of mind due to alcohol or drug consumption, you render your mission ineffective. Until you recover, you are unable to instruct and thus AWOL on your divine mission. You have an incredible destiny to accomplish. You don't have time to taint that with substances that keep you from being your best. Anything that takes you away from your mission is a test you need to just say no to, regardless of how society or the government feels about any particular substance. Insofar as it keeps you from your best, it is illicit. May you merit utilizing every precious moment on earth, achieving your magnificent destiny, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe. To achieving a life of simcha and purpose, transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.